0: adjustments here. I need to consider what I need to say this morning so that I can be obedient to what I believe I'm supposed to share and try to fit that into a time frame that allows everybody to get on with your Sunday. It's just a great privilege to be in a place where the presence of God is, I hate to say predictable, (laughs) Because you don't want to take it that way, but it feels like week after week, he's so faithful to be here with us and to uh, establish his presence among us and just to do what only he can do. And I I sense it. I I feel like I do my best to prepare, and then I have to come to moments where I'm going to speak about obedience, and I have to try to be obedient to what I feel him leading us to say and to do in the moment. But I want you to understand that's the way that we all have to come before him as we live our life. And in class this morning, we were really, I kept hearing it emphasize, the class that was up here with uh, the Caliendos was just about being obedient in the small things and being available in the small things and just being, coming to Him in the start of a day and say, okay, Lord, what today? What is it today? The days tend to look the same sometimes because we're used to Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and they repeat every seven days, and so we can get into a, a sort of a habit of feeling like, oh, yeah, it's a Tuesday, it's a Wednesday, we even... You know, have certain sentiments that we feel about each of those days of the week, but they just fly by so fast. It's just just bizarre to me. Uh, I heard somebody say this week that uh, right now you're the oldest that you've ever been. So I hope that encourages you. But on the bright side, you're the youngest that you'll ever be at the same time. They're both pretty not happy statements, but one sounds better, right? You're younger than you'll ever be again. That sounds better than you're older than you're, but it's the same thing. Time's moving on. What's the matter, Ernie? Did I say something funny that I mean to? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the Lord forgives even lying. You just got to just gotta repent, brother. It's true, though. Years fly by like months, weeks like days, and um, I'm told it's just because I'm getting older, but I don't know, some of my kids even reference the way that feels like it's Sunday already and time's fast for them too. So I know that the Lord is doing a quick work on the earth and he's cutting it short in righteousness because his desire is to be with his children. It's to be with his bride. And um, speaking of brides, my daughter is in Puerto Rico right now. She's not married yet, but she will be getting married in June. And so she had this idea to take mommy and her younger sister to Puerto Rico for Uh, five days to just be down there because my wife obviously is from Puerto Rico, speaks Spanish, and so little daughter, mommy time before she gets married, so that's why I'm here without my wife. She didn't kick me out of my house, and I'm not living in my truck or anything like that. It's not, uh, Christians are great. It's amazing how quickly they can get ideas in their heads. Gotta love them. (laughs) So just to clarify, yeah, she still loves me, I think, and uh, she's uh, just a, a little bit of ocean away from me at the moment, but I appreciate your prayers for for our family as they deal with Daddy cooking and laundering and everything Dad's doing in Mommy's absence. Um, but it's just a great day to be alive. I'm learning to appreciate every moment of every day. The Lord in class uh, has been challenging us to think about what our phrase for the year will be. I know we're already almost past January, and I uh, appreciate those who joined in our our fast in January and pray that the Lord has spoken to your heart. But we're already almost into February, and the year's on target. And I just the the phrase that I felt like I needed to find for myself. I prayed about it, and it's just give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Turns out that's the will. If you read Thessalonians, you find out and rejoice always. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. For you to be able to be thankful is the will of God. Sometimes it's easy to make life more complicated than that, but. Uh, it's, it's, when you say give thanks, it's actually, we don't see it as a commodity, but heaven sees it as a commodity. You can give certain things materially, but when you give thanks, you're actually giving something that heaven recognizes as a substance that it can receive and things can begin to change by. And so our obedience to simple things like this, we'd say, oh, that's easy, just you know, be happy. No, it's not about being happy. It says rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, but again, it's, it's easy to think that's just sort of a, an option, but the reality is we have to give thanks in everything. Yes. And if you're going through hard things, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. We do it by faith. But there's a reality of our life that has to be marked by something that's different than what the world does and actually what the world blesses. Do you know that the world system blesses complaining? Yes. I don't know if, the, if a world system can bless anything, so let's say they incentivize it. If you complain loud enough, get what you, guess what you get? You get attention. You get the results that you want. And if you really are willing to get an attorney and complain a little louder than you can on your own, you can actually get a settlement. You can actually make out pretty well for yourself. And I'm not saying you shouldn't if there's certain situations where you've been victimized or things go wrong. There's a, there's a rightful way that the system is to be used. But people have picked up on the fact that if you just complain and scream and burn enough stuff down and create enough chaos that you can be incentivized. Your actions are rewarded. And it's just so twisted from what the Lord wants to reward. And he says, in everything, give thanks, for this is my will and for, for your life, is to be able to be thankful in the midst of things. Gratitude doesn't pay big by the world's systems. But in God's kingdom, it's the thing that actually matters to his heart. That whatever we're going through, we find a spot to give thanks. And I tell you, it breaks a lot of garbage off of your life when you realize, the enemy realizes, I think that, hey, whatever I do, He's just going to praise God, and it kind of puts a barrier up against if he thinks he can get you to complain, he's going to find stuff to hit those nerve endings and get you to start complaining and whining, because then you're outside of God's will. And everything give thanks, this is God's will. Complaining is outside of God's will. It's disobedience. I'll just say it like that so that you can, I don't have to like fluff it up. That's just what it is. Complaining is actually disobedience to God, because it's not gratitude, and yet our culture's marked by it. social media heralds it and bro- multiplies it and broadcasts it and contaminates a whole lot of people very quickly with just a couple complaints. And it's amazing how it defiles the human soul. The complaining spirit is a spirit, and it defiles humanity. Look at the nation of Israel when they started to complain and grumble against God. The most severe actions taken against God's people in the Old Testament were always in result to their grumbling and complaining, whether it was about their food, about the water, about where they were, how they wanted to be somewhere else. As soon as complaining came, there was this severity that came because God's will for his people is that they would give thanks in all things. People say, well, I don't know what God's will is for my life. To be thankful We've confused it with careers or with, with other things or who we're supposed to marry. All these things are important, but God's will for your life is that you would be thankful. Let's so make a better Thanksgiving message probably, wouldn't it? But then you'd expect it and you'd just say, oh, the Thanksgiving. No, to give thanks is obedience to the Lord. He has called us to this. He's marked us for this. And we read a little bit of it in First uh, Peter chapter 2 about how, well, maybe we'll just read that. I'm going to speed it up as much as I can, but there's certain scriptures I just really do need to read. Because I don't know about you, but I want my faith to increase. The apostles came to a point in Luke 17 where they said, Lord, increase our faith. We'll read a little bit of that. Then he tells them a story. But if the apostles needed their faith to be increased, do you think our faith needs to be increased 2,000 years after they were here walking with Jesus personally? Our faith is either increasing or it's 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 beginning to fade. And faith is this amazing thing. And I I read a, I was reading through some bits of Hebrews and I came upon this passage and it really began to challenge my thinking about faith. So I started in Luke 17 and then I'm I'm, I'm realizing the story that Jesus tells about. When they said increase our faith, and I'm thinking that's interesting why he would tell that story. Couldn't, couldn't see a lot of faith connection. But then in Hebrews 11.30, if you want to go there, we'll read this and then we'll go in, and check out what Peter had to say about our purpose in this life. Which is to simply proclaim the praises of him who called us from darkness to light. He actually says that's our purpose in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. It's just to proclaim the praises, that we would proclaim the praises of him who called us from darkness into his marvelous light. That's God's great purpose. I believe God knows something about the simple things of our faith that we miss, and we overcomplicate it, and we're looking for something big and grand. All he's looking for is gratitude and praise. Praise does powerful things. This isn't a teaching about everything that praise can do. It's a challenge that if we're willing to praise and be thankful, we're actually going to find ourselves in obedience, and we're actually going to find something else happening to our faith. And I feel like I grabbed this, the initial part of this principle out of Hebrews 11.30. Let's read what it says. It says, the writer is going through a list of, of different feats that men and women and, and people in history had done. And it's, it's, a, it's a faith list, the heroes of our faith. And he says this about this one specific story. He says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Does anybody know the story of when the walls of, Jer- of Jericho fell down. They had no hope. They were this ragtag army. They're fresh out of Egypt. They didn't have chariots and an arsenal and catapults and all the stuff that it would take for a nation to go against a fortified city. They were just surviving with what they had. They come into the promised land. They encounter this city, and there's no. they have no hope against this city. Does anybody have problems that you face that are just going to be bigger than whatever the best plan and the resources you have available to you are going to exact against the problem? We all encounter these things, and God does it by design because there's times when we have to begin to trust Him because He's trustworthy. We have to have faith in Him because He's faithful. And it's hard. It's not easy, but that's why it takes faith. But there's this connection here that doesn't make sense to me. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. They weren't great people of faith. They had seen God do great things. But if you know this story of Jericho, they were instructed every day, walk around this city. We can't take time to go and read it. It's an amazing story. Walk around it and then go home. And don't say a single word. I saw a couple, uh, I'll try to look. I saw a couple husbands look at their wives. That was messed up, guys. You should have never done that. <laughs> I only saw a couple, but man. <laughs> yeah, You're laughing because it was true. Don't even say a single word. Not just on Monday, but on Tuesday. I don't know which days they started on, but they got through the week, seven days, once per day. But on the seventh day, they were told, go around seven times, and at the end of saying nothing at all, shout unto the Lord. And if you know the story, they follow the instructions, they get to the end, they shout, and the walls fall down. God looked at their obedience, and following the instructions that He gave them, He acts on their behalf, and He says it was faith. It's recorded in history as an act of faith. I don't think a single, they weren't told what was going to happen. They were just told, hey, do this. And God said, I will move on your behalf. They didn't know the walls were going to fall down. And on the last day, there was a little bit more given to them about what to do when they did come down. So there there was a hint at the end. But the whole process was just a simple test of obedience. Okay, so you do it two days. Can you imagine people what they wanted to say after you're getting blisters on your feet? It was a big city. It wasn't just like walking around this building. And people had stuff that they could throw off of a building. So it was probably not right at the walls. It was at a circle where they were safe from the projectiles coming off the building. It was a long walk. A lot of energy was burnt. A lot, of, a lot had to go into this thing working the way that it worked. The Bible recalls their, brings the historical account and says that their obedience produced what the Bible records as faith. And so for them, I began to think about, okay, so... If I want to increase my faith, if I want faith to be something that I'm walking in a stronger measure of in this year than last year, what do I have to do to get it? Do I have to pray for more people? I probably should, absolutely. Can you exercise your faith and stretch your faith and go beyond your comfort? Absolutely. Faith can be stretched and increased. But the kind of faith we're talking about this morning is about the kind of faith that just comes from obedience. When Jesus was being praised for all his great and miraculous things, he says, guys, I'm only doing what the Father tells me to do. I'm just being obedient. Don't make it about me. It's just me doing what my Father shows me to do every tiny situation by situation. Jesus would be called the greatest faith person to ever walk on this planet. And yet he said it really isn't my faith. It's my obedience to what the Father is showing me to do. Great faith simply comes by beginning to obey. And I love the fact that the greatest will of God of all of it is just to be thankful and to be able to praise him. Because that's something we can all do. It's an act of our will, but we can all do it. We can all start with that. That's why I like it, at least. It's something I can get my mind around. I can begin to just be thankful. We could look into this story and really dig deep. Why did it take a week? Why couldn't he just do it the first time out? Wouldn't it be more safe? Knowing how much they love to complain and talk. I believe in the process of their obedience, their faith was being increased, but something else was happening inside them. God didn't need seven days to build up his angelic host to come down and do on the walls what he did. He was working something in the people. And I tell you, the greatest obedience that's required of our lives will be right before moments of the greatest breakthrough and the greatest demonstration of God's power in our lives. It's historically recorded that way. That's just how it is. But can we obey him in small things? Can we shut off the complaining when it's just so being drawn out of us? That's one of my weaknesses. In this 2023, it's not going to be my weakness. I'm not complaining about people anymore. I'm not complaining about stuff. If I make a mistake, I'll repent. But I'm telling you, if we're going to follow God's will and be obedient, give thanks in everything, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and praise Him continuously. That's He says this is God's will for you. This is actually what He wants. From that, your faith will grow. My faith will grow. It will heal people. We'll see miracles. We'll see the divine interventions of God. We'll see walls fall down. Not because we did anything great. People say, oh, the shout of, I actually tried to do some digging. There's no reference that they did anything other than just go, raw at the end of seven days. It doesn't say what they say. He didn't give them a mantra. He didn't say nothing. They just went, roar. And the walls fell down flat. Why? Because they just obeyed what God told them to do. Faith and obedience are so connected. God kind of faith I'm talking about. And so now let's, let's skip Peter for now. Let's go to Luke 17 because I'm going to read this. We're going to go a few minutes over, not too much, but Oscar did it and everybody still clapped at the end. So <laughs> maybe I can get away with it too. I don't know. Pastor Oscar is such a great blessing to my heart. We got to spend time with him, and he so appreciates the generosity of people that sow into his ministry, into his vision for his country. And um, I use that as just a chance to say, if you meant to be generous and didn't get a chance, you can still do that. We'll always make sure things go to where they're designated uh, when they come through our office. But in Luke 17, we'll go right to, I think, uh, verse, we'll start right at the beginning. We're going to read a little bit here. I feel like this kind of ties together some of what I've been saying already in somewhat of an abbreviated form, but I hope the Lord will speak to what your heart needs to hear. And so Jesus says to his disciples, "It's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It'd be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. We love our children, we take them seriously. But he says, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven, I wish it just said seven times, it says seven times in a day. Good grief. (laughs) I wonder if we could substitute spouse in there, if it has to be brother. I don't know, that would help me a lot. It would help my wife a lot, (laughs) dealing with me. If your brother sins against you, rebuke and repent. If he sins against you seven times in a single day, and seven times in a day he still returns to you, saying, I'm sorry, I repent, you shall forgive him. And I love the context where this phrase comes out of the apostles' mouth. It says that the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. They immediately understand This is not going to happen unless God empowers us by faith to act this way. There is nothing in a human being after being wrong seven times in a 24-hour period is going to turn around and say, I I, I know. (laughs) You're going to say you're sorry. I forgive you. It's just not in us. It wasn't because he did some great miracle that they wanted to do that they said increase our faith. It's just because they realized what Jesus was requiring in his teaching of their life. The obedience he was asking for was only going to come through an increase of their faith. They realized it and they asked for it. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Obey. Obedience and faith are married together. Many take that and they talk about how the the faith of a mustard seed is because it's so small. Now, that's a different story that was being told about how the smallest of seeds becomes a tree that even the birds can nest in. That's a different story Jesus was telling. He's not talking about the size of the seed here. He's saying if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted the seed. It's going to obey you. What he's saying is a mustard seed is going to produce a mustard tree. It's going to be obedient to the DNA that's in that tiny little seed. And it's going to be as big as that seed tells it to be. And if it's a mustard seed, it's going to become a mustard, what they, what the other passage refers to as a tree. It's the largest of all the shrubs of the plants that would grow was from a mustard seed. The birds could make their nests in it. It became more than just a little weed that most seeds become. And he's saying if you have the faith of a mustard seed, which is just going to do what its DNA tells it to do and become, then you're going to get to the point where you can say, Do this to any part of nature, and it's going to obey you. What is he emphasizing? He's not emphasizing the size of your faith and the smallness of it or the bigness of it. He's he's emphasizing the obedience of that seed and what's inside that seed. The tree that becomes is obedient to the DNA in that seed. And so the Lord says, "You you you can have this. All you have to do is just walk in this obedience that I'm telling you about. And if you think I'm just stretching that, let's read the rest of what he has to say. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he's come in from the field, come in at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself, serve me until I have eaten and drunk. And afterward, then you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? I think not. And so likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, not requested, commanded, say... We are just unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. What question is he answering when he's telling these stories? He's replying to their request for an increase of their faith. He's like, you want to increase in faith? Start doing what you're told. That's what he's saying. He saying, if you want to increase in your faith, start doing the basic things that I've commanded. He said, love one another as you love yourselves. Can we do that? Only by faith. Can our faith grow in that area? Only by exercising, only by obedience in what we've been given to do up to the degree that we're able to do it. It has to start someplace. It's going to go someplace, but if we're going to see increase in our lives, it doesn't start at the end game where we just have this great manifestation of faith in our life. It starts through simple obedience. Some of it is circulating around this idea of forgiveness. That's a tough one. Jesus is very clear. He said, If you don't forgive those who've sinned against you, your Father will not forgive you one sin of your life. He includes it even in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. This is all connected. If we don't follow what Jesus has taught us and told us we have to do, we can't expect to have an increase in our faith. Faith and obedience are connected. I don't know about you. I want to walk in greater faith. I don't know if my flesh wants to walk in greater obedience. In fact, I know that it doesn't. Neither does yours. (laughs) The world needs our faith to grow. Needs our love to grow. Needs our obedience to the Father to grow. And then he finishes this lesson all in response. He, they are like increase our faith. And then he just like just downloads a whole bunch of stuff. These poor guys must be their heads have to be spinning. Because they're just thinking like he's going to, okay, there you go. There's some more faith. Just tap him on the shoulder. Okay, now you've got more faith. He's like, no, just continue to do what I've told you to do. Continue to be obedient. And he says this. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests You would have expected in their minds, they're thinking, okay, this is the one we hear about all these miracles. Jesus, have mercy on us. They're expecting, all right, guys, come on. Come over here. It's your turn now. You waited long enough. You've been kicked out of society long enough. It's your turn to come and be with me. I'm going to heal you too. Come on over. He doesn't invite them in. He tells them to go. Direct contradiction of everything that a human soul would expect from someone who's about to do something good for you. Think about it. It violates every aspect of what our natural mind would think is the appropriate response. We're saying, Jesus, please help us, have mercy on us. He's like, go ahead, get out of here, guys. Go and show yourselves to the priest. They've just been told by the priests you can never come back into society again. <laughs> they were just told that. They, they, over their lives, many had lived there longer than others, I'm sure. They had learned to live the life of just isolation and being. Only loved by those who had the same disease as you. That's what it's like in the world. The world shares the same disease called sin. Their only camaraderie and sense of anything of processing this life of pain and confusion is that they have other confused and pained people to live it alongside of. And they cry out to Jesus and he says, Go back and show yourself to the priests. Makes no sense. Did they go by faith or did they go because they were told? I don't know what was in their hearts. I just know that when Jesus told them, go away from me, not come to me, they still did what he said to do. I don't know about you, I struggle with some of the things I'm told to do throughout my life and even currently that just seem so counterintuitive. And yet in the midst, we could meet Jesus in a new and empowering way to our faith if we would just simply follow the instruction. And it says this, he says, go show yourselves to the priest, and it says, and so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. As they did that, what made no sense to them, I'm sure, they suddenly began to realize, well, we have no more leprosy. When we get to the priests now, we can actually show ourselves as clean. All this stuff had to start popping off in their minds until they were cleansed as they went. They didn't know what to expect. Maybe they thought the priests were going to, because the priests would try to do things, there was rituals and things that they could try, but if it failed, they were leper, they were kicked out. Maybe they, were, they thought they were being told to go back and try again with what the priests can come up with. But suddenly they realize as they're going to the priest that their leprosy is gone. They're clean. They're healed. Their skin is restored. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice glorified God and he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. There's only a couple problems with that. He didn't follow the instructions to the end. How does Jesus respond to that? says, he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered and said, why didn't you go to the priests? No, that's not what he said. He says this, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? You can wrestle with this passage on your own and see what the Lord shows you. I just know what I feel he showed me about it. The nine who followed his instructions and go to the the priests that had kicked them out, he's like, why didn't they come back too? Only this one, this Samaritan, who wasn't even a Jew, so maybe the priesthood didn't mean as much to him. Maybe he didn't have a priest to go to. I don't know, but there was some way that he was kicked out, and usually it was the priests that did it. Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner Listen to this. Jesus said to him, "Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well." But if faith and obedience are connected, he disobeyed what Jesus, he didn't go to the priest. And Jesus said, "Go to the priests." Am I reading this wrong? That's what it said. Faith and obedience are connected. God expects obedience. And so if they didn't follow through, the ones that did follow his instructions, they were cleansed, they went to the priests, and they were embraced back into society. But this guy, I don't know, you can read a lot into this, but I can tell you what I believe the Lord has shown in my heart based on part of what I'm going through in my life and what 2023 means for me. It's that there is the law's of what allow entrance back into society, and you have to follow certain things, but there are also spiritual laws. And Jesus, being the highest priest of all priests ever, they were all just a a shadow of the high priest, Jesus, who was in that throne room as the lamb, (laughs) presenting his own blood as the high priest on that bowl. If you read Revelation, this man returns and he comes to the highest priest of all. And he just begins to worship him and praise him and say, thank you, you have changed my life and you've healed me. Where else can I go? There's no man or no committee I can go to. I have to go straight to the one who has the power to heal my life. And Jesus recognizes that as faith. And so faith and obedience are connected. What was he being obedient to? He was being obedient to something far deeper in the heart of, of a human being. An instinct much stronger than just instructions about protocol for being re-entered back into society as a cleansed person. Something so deep and instinctive that when you realize your life is over and yet life is extended to you, that there may even be assignments that you thought you were on because that's what God told you to do. But there could be a moment in your life when you realize it's just Jesus that I need. It's just the one who changes leprosy. That's who I need. I just need to be with him and to tell him that without him, this is for all of us. We are all condemned to a life outside of life. To live a life of death here and then to go into eternal death is what Jesus came. To set right about those who he loves, which is all the world. John 3.16 makes it pretty plain. To be at the feet of the one giving thanks and praise and glory and honor. Jesus recognized as the highest level of obedience and faith that a human could have. Even a foreigner outside of the law could come to that place. Folks, when you've been touched by Jesus and your life is healed by him, there's, there's still value in going through certain parts of life and rituals and realities that are essential, but there's also something deeper that's at play, and it's actually the will of God that he desires for your life. That's what he's after, and it's just to be thankful and to give him praise in all things, to rejoice always, to speak and communicate with him without ceasing, and to, in everything, give thanks. For this is the highest measure of faith and obedience you will walk in. And when you walk in that one, and you demonstrate that you're trustworthy there, the manifestations of faith will be great. They'll be extraordinary. The works that the disciples did, they did by simply obeying the command to go and to be witnesses. And to testify of the one who had changed their life. And when they did it. It says whenever they preached the gospel. And they just were obedient to what they were told to do. Signs and wonders and miracles. And the world around them would continue to change. Not because they had done anything to change it. But because they preached a message. That said you no longer need to live this life with leprosy broken. Outcast from the light. You can come back in. And be loved by a father that never stopped loving you. That never lost sight of you. We can lose sight of God, folks, but He never loses sight of us. David said, If I go to the depths of the deepest sea, still you're there. If I go to the highest, it's great and wonderful. You're at the highest pinnacle of success. The highest mountain, still your presence will find me. Jesus is wherever we are. And He's knocking on doors. I know that He's been knocking on doors for. Many of us, our whole lives. And he continues to knock. Sometimes there's just areas where we just have to get real and say, God, I'm going to need your help with this one. This is a Jericho. Show me how to get these walls to come down. Sometimes it's unforgiveness. Unforgiveness builds up. The wall gets thicker as as time passes. I've noticed that with folks. It's painful to watch when you see people building themselves into a little bunker of existence. Just because they haven't been able to obey the simple command Jesus said seven times in a day yeah seven times forgive you want more faith you got to do some of these things you want an increase of the power of God functioning through your life we've got to get real about some of the most basic things which is just attitude you know the best part about being thankful is it corrects a bad attitude I'm glad I'm the only one here that ever deals with a bad attitude <laughs> Come on, scare real. You can't be thankful and have a bad attitude. I've been trying it the last couple of weeks is really getting on my nerves. <laughs> it's hard. And everything, just begin to be thankful. Thank them, kids, for those parents that don't understand you. Just find a way to be thankful for them. Parents with kids that just seem to not get it. Just be thankful. Just start with that. Man, you suddenly feel like, all right, this, God's got a hold of this. He knows what he's doing. This might be the third or fourth time around this city, but there's a moment coming when these walls are coming down. And I want to encourage you with that. I hope that you find encouragement in that, that I don't want to preach a message that I always hear obedience, and it just seems like it's going to be one of those messages where you walk out feeling condemned, like, well, we could never do that, where our flesh is too strong. Your flesh is not too strong to stop you from being able to give thanks. Because that's an act of just opening your mouth and just saying, thank you, Jesus. Your flesh isn't strong enough to stop you from saying, praise you, Lord. You are the most amazing person. You've never failed me. You're not going to start now. You are beautiful. You are amazing. Start reading. If you need help, start reading Psalms. The whole book of Psalms is a book of praise and poetry. Tells you how to become a man after God's own heart. David was a man after God's own heart. Why? All he did, he spent his life praising and glorifying God and thanking him for everything messed up miserably did a whole thing whole bunch of things wrong but he was in god's will god said he's he's after my own heart this guy because he just won't stop praising me he won't stop thanking me even in the midst of whatever he went through folks i don't know of a more important message i'm sure this will circulate through a lot of what i have to say throughout this year because if we can't get the will of god right for our lives what point is it to talk about anything else Remember, the world is supposed to knock on our door and say, why are you guys thankful and grateful and rejoicing when all we have is this and we're supposed to be able to tell them the reason I have joy is because I found the one that's worth being joyful about. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Is there anybody that's just feeling weak this morning? You feel like, listen to what Peter is saying about you. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You can't get any higher than this. God chose you to be alive in this generation. He chose you to be born in the moment that you're in. You're a royal. Royal means ruling, kingly. You're you're in the class of determining how things go, not being just subject to everything. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. All of that for this purpose, so that you may... Proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and called you into His marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but you're now the people of God. You're not just the people of America, you're the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. That's worth proclaiming His praise for. He knows it, the enemy knows it, and that's why he's so determined to rob you of your joyful attitude, your praise, and your thanksgiving. Because in heaven, in the spirit realm, those forces, they can't stop them. Jesus, this morning, we're humbled by this simple gospel that you have called us to follow with our lives, to obey with all of our heart. Father, if there be those dealing with unforgiveness, I just thank you, Lord, you'd bless them with a moment where their faith would rise up, where their obedience would kick in, and they would simply do what needs to be done and that they would extend that forgiveness, God. Maybe they need to repent, Lord, that they would start there and trust you with the rest. Father, if there be people who just seem like they're they're praying for things that aren't changing, Lord, show us the obedience, the steps of obedience that will cause our faith to increase until we do see These mulberry trees pulled out by the roots and thrown into the sea. It's nothing for a people who obey your voice. Lord, you said that your sheep would hear your voice, that you would know them, they would know you, and that they would follow you. Lord, we're following your voice today. You told us to be thankful, we're going to be thankful. You told us to be praisers, and we're going to praise you. You said that we need to lift up and give glory to your name when we see things in life that we maybe don't understand. That's what we're going to do, Jesus, because you alone are worthy. You alone have the words of eternal life. Father, you alone are worthy of praise. And so we have breath this morning. We thank you for that breath that we have. And everything that has breath will praise the Lord. And Father, we join in with creation this morning. And we thank you for putting this in us this ability to not just in a room where it's easy with a worship team and a group of believers, but in this world, let them know us to be different by the way that our countenance is. We're thankful, Lord. We're praising you because you gave us life, not just now, but for eternity. We love you for it, Jesus, and we praise you for it, and we're just grateful, and we're going to go out of this place and declare it to a world that needs to know it for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. Prayer this morning, if you gave your life to Christ this morning, if you're on the right side of the fence, please just come up to the front and let someone just join their heart and pray for you. We love you. God bless you. Let somebody know about that joy.